Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We're seeing uh, the federal government over the last number of years moving forward with a number of solely environmental-focused acts that are having an impact on our ability to continue to produce what, in our case, is some of the most sustainable products that are relative to uh, their competitors that are anywhere in the world. You just heard the Premier of Saskatchewan when he was on with us on the 5th of November. Interestingly enough, Guy Fox Day. And uh, the Premier starting to talk to us about why uh, he introduced the Saskatchewan First Act. Well, we're going to speak now with the Premier of Alberta, Daniel Smith, as our guest. And this whole country has been talking about the Alberta Sovereignty with a United, within a, a United Canada Act. That's a mouthful. Premier, how are you? I'm good. I'm glad to hear that. Okay, I'm, I, I just have to spell this out. One of your responsibilities as Premier is to, with your government, steward a cooperative relationship, or at least not a constantly antagonistic relationship with Ottawa. That's the, uh, that's the mandate of every Premier. Before we speak about the specifics of the Alberta Sovereignty within a United Canada Act, are you of the view that the Trudeau government and certain federal liberal cabinet ministers actively engage to undermine the well-being of Western provinces, and specifically Alberta, and with no regard or little regard for provincial opposition? You know, I believe in cooperative federalism, and there have been some areas that we've been able to work very well with the federal government, even recently, if you want the truth. Um, we were quite pleased to see that when we went to COP27, that they respected that they can't make carte blanche decisions about our natural resources, that it's against the Constitution. I think that's fantastic. They also, we have a, a similar pricing program of our industrial emissions in Alberta, similar to what they have in Quebec, and they accepted that as being equivalent. So there are, are ways in which we do cooperate, and I'm, I'm pleased to, to make sure that we can do more of that. But, but the problem that I have seen in the last number of years is the unilateral actions taken by Ottawa that have canceled projects, chased away investment. And and they, the, the problem is they, they don't stop. Um, I, I quite agree with Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe. Why in the world, when we're in this uh, energy security crisis, food security crisis, why would they come out with a ridiculous emissions target to reduce fertilizer by 30% by 2030? Why in the middle of our leadership race would, would Guibault have started a consultation to reduce emissions specifically on oil and natural gas 42% by 2030? The, these are the kind of things that antagonize Albertans. And that's the reason why we want to get back to some kind of cooperative federalism. Don't just blindside us with things that are outside your jurisdiction. Let's have a conversation about how we can move forward to reach uh, uh, these kinds of objectives that we share jointly together. And I, I feel like Ottawa has been a bad actor in a lot of cases. And I'm hoping that with the Alberta sovereignty within the United Canada Act, we can get back to cooperative federalism. Okay, so the answer is yes. That the federal government, this one, and cabinet ministers actively do engage to undermine the well-being of Western provinces, and specifically Alberta, and perhaps with no no regard for provincial, for provincial opposition. They might now, with uh, Premier Moe's Saskatchewan First Act and, and your Sovereignty Act, but it just seems to me, and uh, obviously seems to you, that they've run roughshod over Western Canada. They, and, they, and they sure have. I, I think that's undeniable. It's, it, the reason why there has been so much anger in my province is that we have tried to re-engage with the federal government a number of different times in a number of different ways. And they, they keep on coming at us and keep on targeting our industry unfairly. And, and that's what we've got to stop. If, if Ottawa wants to play a constructive role, 
then they've got to treat provinces the same. They can't have a special deal for Quebec and then treat the rest of us with uh, with a heavier hand. I, I think that, that unfortunately, I mean, people are perceiving this as us taking an aggressive action. This is a defensive action, is that after seven years of being constantly at the at the end of federal federal legislation and edicts that have have caused so much harm in our province. We've said enough is enough. We've got to reset this relationship. And I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing if the Ottawa will respond positively to that. So clarify for us, please, what Bill 1 contains, as far as your cabinet's options are, to change law without legislative approval beforehand, as I understand a resolution, would be uh, would identify the difficulties Alberta as with federal legislation, would be brought before the legislature, which would then recommend a redress, perhaps not unanimously. But correct me if I misunderstand, Premier. Cabinet under the Sovereignty Act would not be bound by the redress decided on by the legislature. And that is an issue of debate and concern. What's this? What's the story here? The issue and, and the intent of what we're attempting to do is to affirm our rights under the Constitution. And we've got our division of powers in the Constitution very clearly laid out that we've got exclusive areas of jurisdiction over natural resource development, over how we run our social programs, um, over even being able to manage our, our own conservation strategies. There's a, it, there's a whole range of powers that we have that the federal government continues to intervene on. And we're just saying don't do that anymore. We're going to aggressively defend our constitutional areas of jurisdiction. We want you to treat us just like Quebec. Now, in, in Saskatchewan, part of, of the way they want to to do this with their Saskatchewan First Act is to put the question to a tribunal that's sort of outside the legislature. It was important to me that if we're going to take any action under this legislation, that it has to be affirmed by the MLAs in the legislature, debated thoroughly. And I, what we were intending to do is to get pre-approval on certain changes so that we could uh, delegate the implementation to cabinet. I think that um, one of the things that we've got to make clear is that if there's any statutory changes, those have to come back to the legislature. And so those are the kind of amendments we're talking about next week, just a couple of minor fixes. But the intent remains the same, that we're going to work aggressively to make sure that Ottawa respects our areas of jurisdiction and gets back to treating us in a cooperative way, which they haven't done in the last seven years. But your attorney general said during a news conference this week, this past week, that cabinet will have the power to amend law through an order in council. How is that being cooperative with a legislative uh, uh, decision to redress? You know, it does get into uh, into the weeds a bit, but there, there's uh, there's about five different ways that we create law in our country. One is through statutes passed by the legislature. Other is through regulation, which is done by cabinet. Others are through ministerial orders, which is done by a minister. We also have policies and directives, which are done at the bureaucratic level. And so our intention was never to try to have cabinet unilaterally write the first type, those statutes. Statutes always have to go back to the legislature. That's what parliamentary supremacy and legislature supremacy is all about, is that if you want to create the framework for doing something, it's got to be fully debated in the legislature. And I think that was a little unclear. Um, And so we're going to clarify that with a couple amendments next week. Okay. Now, the Trudeau government has, of course, been rightly criticized for orders in council and decisions that it's made arbitrarily. And I just think back to 2020 when Mr. Trudeau decided that his then finance minister, Bill Morneau, would have access to taxican spending and other liberties without any parliamentary oversight for two years. That was one of the initiatives. Of course, they they repealed that or pulled it back when there was tremendous public uh, outcry, but they also didn't provide a budget in uh, 2020 after spending the country into hundreds of billions of dollars of deficit. So, so the, you know, the model for this kind of 
behavior exists in Ottawa. You just don't want to have it in your province, right? Oh, 100% we don't. That's why the entire process begins with a legislative debate. That's why I wanted to make sure that rather than have an independent tribunal or have these decisions made by cabinet, it's got to be debated in the legislature first. And we'll we'll make sure that we make those amendments so that no people know that if there is any legislative change that needs to be done, it'll come back to the legislature. That's how our country is supposed to work. I mean, I, I find it remarkable, actually that uh, we, we, we have seen a suspension over the last two and a half years of any functioning um, elements of our democracy. Our parliaments haven't worked, our Senate hasn't worked, the oversight of the courts haven't worked. And I, I feel very strongly, people will know that during the campaign, uh, at how frustrated I was that our constitution's being run roughshod over, our charter of rights and freedoms is being rough, run roughshod over. I certainly won't do that. The legislature is paramount. It's important that any decision that we take under this act gets a, gets affirmed by the legislative assembly. That's why we've structured it that way. Premier, would you speak to the issue that provincially funded organizations or entities like police forces, municipal government, school boards, can be ordered, I understand, by Bill 1 to refuse federal laws if Cabinet identifies such legislation as being harmful to the interests of the people of Alberta? Municipalities, and some of them are actually, uh, some of these organizations receive monies from both your government and the federal government, and it places them into a difficult situation. Uh, could you uh, clear that up for us? Sure. I can tell you a couple of examples where we've got a real problem with the federal government having passed unconstitutional policy. In Bill C-69, we've called it the No More Pipelines Bill. But if you look at the act, there's a reason all 10 premiers are intervening with us to try to get that bill overturned. It's because the federal government has come into our province and they have are dictating to us that we can't do any major project that they identify as being federal in nature. So for instance, I think it's important for us to build a highway between Grand Prairie and Fort McMurray. We don't have one. And yet the, the federal government has said that any highway longer than 75 kilometers becomes their jurisdiction. That's the kind of thing I'd like to be able to say, you know what? Grand Prairie, Fort McMurray, and the, all the municipalities in between, we've got to build that darn road. The other issue as well is around uh, power plants. We we have built significant power plants in our province. Yeah, city of Calgary, for instance, they've got a wholly owned in uh, uh, a power company called Nmax. They recently built an 800 megawatt power plant, natural gas, cleanest uh, and and best of most efficient technology, right next to the border, so that we could reduce transmission line costs. And now under the federal act. We have to get federal approval if we build a power plant larger than 200 megawatts. I want Calgary and Edmonton to be able to, under their regulatory environment in Alberta, make their own decisions if they need to have additional power. But how Those do you are the kind of things how, that the federal government has intervened how do you extract them from? Again. How do you extract them from that situation where they feel caught between uh, the devil and the deep blue? This is why we have to, to fight this out with Ottawa. I, th- I think that when, when, when we start pushing ahead on the things that we normally used to do prior to this legislation, that's when we're going to have to, to battle this out in court. We're putting a shield up and saying this, this is inappropriate. And we, I think we'll have more success as we identify these projects that we want to move on. And, you know, again, I would hope in the spirit of cooperative federalism that we would say, hey, you know what, we want to build this highway and we want to add this power plant. Um, are you going to let us do it without elevating it to a federal level? And they should say yes, but they shouldn't have given themselves that power in the first place. And that's those are the kind of that's the the restart of this of the discussion that we need to have. Okay, so you fired a shot across the bow of the federal government. What are you expecting from Mr. Trudeau uh, in, in response? Well, I'm glad to hear him say that he doesn't want to pick a fight, and and I think that's good because they picked a heck of a lot of fights with us in the last seven years. I I, I hope that do you believe that. The, Oh my gosh! Absolutely, I do. No, no. Um, do you believe he's not? He doesn't want to pick a fight. 
oh, do I believe that he doesn't want to pick a fight? Uh, I'll I'll watch and see. Um, I think it was a, a, a sign of goodwill when they didn't sign on to the COP27 communique calling for the phase-out of oil and natural gas. I think that was a very positive sign. And it's positive that they're accepting our industrial emission strategy as uh, being com- compatible with theirs. But, but look, we're about to have a biodiversity conference in um, in uh, Montreal in the middle of December. And they have put forward, once again, an aggressive target of wanting to have 30% of land base in protected area by 2030, essentially taking our land base out of production, essentially overriding our ability to control our resources, once again, a violation of the Constitution. So so I, I feel like I will, I will have to judge on the basis of the actions that they take as opposed to the words. But this is why we are putting this front and center this is the reason is because they continue to to act as if they control our resources. They continue, as Scott Moe said in the clip you played, to use the pretext of environmental issues to assert themselves in the management of our resources. And that's not appropriate. And that's why we're, we're pushing back against them. Let that's me move. Scott. I'm sorry. Let me move to healthcare for a moment. Number one issue to Canadians, no matter where you look in the country. We have a badly broken healthcare system in Canada, and perhaps a popular misconception that healthcare is managed under national jurisdiction. It isn't. Well, some of it Not is. Not at all. Yeah, but it's yeah. potential. Do you foresee, if you're elected to serve beyond next spring as the premier, do you see an Alberta healthcare model which is significantly different to what is found in most healthcare reeling Canadian provinces? I have said that all the changes we are going to make will comply with the Canada Health Act, and that means it will be universal. It will be accessible. It will be comprehensive. It'll be portable. It'll be publicly administered. I'm not. I'm not going to violate those those principles because I think we can make the changes within that context. The real problem that we have is not a money problem. If you look at how much money Canada spends, it's the highest in the world. If you look at how much money Alberta spends, it's the highest in Canada or among the highest. And we're just not getting good results. This is not a money issue at all. It's a structure issue. And that's why I appointed an official administrator and dismissed the board that is managing our monopoly that we've given Alberta Health Services to. And we're we're working day by day to identify some of the roadblocks to making some of the changes we know need to be done to improve ambulance service, to improve the flow through emergency rooms, to reduce the surgical backlog. He's only been on the job two weeks, Dr. John Cowell, but he's already identified, I think, some some really important innovations that we're going to make. So changing healthcare is going to be incremental. I know I'm going to be judged in the next election on whether or not if somebody gets picked up in an ambulance, are they are they waiting 22 ambulances in line behind 21 in front of them? Are they waiting 29 hours in the emergency rooms? That's the system I inherited, and it's unacceptable. We can't have that any longer. No, we can't. And it happens far too frequently in this country now. We have hundreds of thousands of surgeries that have been delayed. We have cancer patients who can't get their chemo or their radiation treatments. It's, It's a terrible, terrible reality. One more question for you. You told me when we spoke previously that you see the possibility of other Western provinces engaging with Alberta and Saskatchewan Uh, which it has with the Saskatchewan First Act, to form a regional alliance, if you will, against federal, I don't know, manipulation, my word, of Western Canadian interests. Do you still see that possibility? I'm I'm beginning to think that we might have another alliance forming in Atlantic Canada. I've been been, uh, quite impressed with Tim Houston coming up and just talking about how devastating the federal carbon tax is going to be to his province. And, and for a province like Alberta, we have the means to be able to handle those kinds of increases and be able to offset them. We're in the middle of a, a major affordability package right now that has, re, that has eliminated our 13 cent 
fuel tax as a way of offsetting these prices. But but small provinces like uh, like Nova Scotia and, and Newfoundland and Labrador, they can't necessarily do that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we've got a federal government that's allowing Quebec to have a lower retail carbon tax than, than the rest of us. So I'm looking at that saying, is that constitutional? Can, can the federal government pick and choose favorites and decide to treat one province differently than the rest, okay. make the rest of us have higher prices. So I, I think we might have a, a regional coalition in a, in uh, Western Canada for sure, but I'm watching to see if maybe there's a, a great partner for us to have in Atlantic Canada too. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.